Hey, I'm Pastor Dave. Welcome to the Lighthouse. We hope the Lord speaks to you today by his word. To uh, get into this chapter, and uh, it's, a different, it's a different chapter for sure. Um, and I, I, before I get into it, I just want to thank uh, Andrew and, and Don for uh, the, the Q&A last week. And um, so I, I listened to uh, the message or the, the session uh, afterwards. And so I think it was more uh, uh, an attempting to stump those that were doing the, trying to give the answers. So a lot of uh, tough questions there. I appreciate the, uh, the answers. And, and uh, it's amazing. Uh, we, uh, we don't know everything, but uh, there is a day coming when we will, will uh, things, many things that we don't know will be revealed to us. So um, I look forward to that day. In the meantime, we are in the house of the Lord to receive of the Lord. So um, I want to I just go back, if you're in, in Romans chapter 11, um, I just want you to go back a few verses to Romans chapter 10 from verse 16 to 21. And before I, before I just read those verses, um, have, has anybody ever uh, got something, you had it, and then you... You, you didn't recognize maybe the value of it and you sort of let it go and then afterwards it's like, oh my goodness, uh, man, the, the value, I should not have let go of this thing because of the value of what it was. Has anybody, has that happened to anybody ever? Okay, a few of you, you just, you didn't know what you had. Uh, I know sometimes at the, the yard sale, uh, some of the items that were out at the yard sale, the price that they were going for, it was like, seriously? Are you kidding? I guess the people that are putting a price on it may not know the value of the item or they just want to move it on. But uh, I know there were some really good bargains at our last yard sale. And uh, um, there was, sometimes we don't recognize the value of what we have. Uh, today, I want to talk about changing my future, or changing our future, changing my future, and getting the riches, to get the riches, and I, it may not be what you think today, because we don't, we may not understand the value of some of the things that we have. So, uh, actually, I will start at Romans 11, verse 33, then I'll jump back to Romans 10, 16, so apologize for a little bit of jumping here, but I uh, so I want to start with, with this uh, in verse 33. Romans eleven thirty-three 33 says, Oh, the depth, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. So oftentimes when we think of getting the riches, we think of now, we think of materially, we think of self, we think of... Uh, if I had this or had that, uh, then, then everything would be okay. Not recognizing what we have access to and what we already have. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. 
How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. So some of the things that he uh, dictates and decrees and, and would make judgment of and makes judgment are unsearchable. Sometimes we don't understand them. Some of the things that happen or we recognize that are allowed to happen by, by the Lord, we don't understand. I don't understand. I don't, there's times where I, I say, God, I, I'm not sure what you're doing right now, but that's not what I would do. So it's, to us, is unknown. His judgments, his ways past finding out. The things that he uh, allows in our lives as believers, and even as unbelievers, but especially as believers, it's like, oh, I, I, I don't understand. Sometimes as time progresses, we say, oh, okay, now I get it. I get it now. This is why this happened in my life. This is why I went through this. Or this is why the Lord put me in this place to, uh, to reveal things to me, maybe about my own uh, nature and character. I didn't realize that was, that's where I was at. And I, I need to make some changes in my life. And so this thing of, of who God is and his ways, they're beyond us, truly, as the prophet of old says, that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, his ways are higher than our, our ways. They're beyond us. But thank God, we have a God that is um, looking at us and he's favorable to us. His heart is for us to, to move forward, to grow, to mature, to uh, develop, to become more and more like Christ. For who has known the mind of the Lord? I don't know, have you ever been at a point where there's so much stuff happening that you cannot, you just, you're fine, okay, how, how is this all going to work out? And I, I'm not sure, I can't even keep up with some of the things. Like today uh, was, was one of those days that I'm scrambling to, to get everything in place and get everything done before uh, the next thing is coming up. I got I to get it done. And uh, it's like my, my mind isn't able to keep up. It's a good thing uh, at this point in time uh, to have a phone where I can put stuff on the calendar because there's just so many different things that are are coming up or have to be done or whatever and it's just okay lord i i thank thank god i my mind is is at times i just can't remember everything so there's these reminders that come up does anybody use those uh little alerts for different things coming up i i just say thank god but when it comes to God, God is, he's not just orchestrating one, one life or overseeing one life, but we're talking the billions of souls on this planet and that he knows every single person. Every single thing that's going on, he knows. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor, the one, well, Lord, this, no, this is how it should be done. 
because I know that I'm at at that place at, at varying points where I, I'm, I'm saying, well, God, you, you know, you, this is, even when we pray, we pray in a way that, Lord, this is what needs to be done. And Lord, sort of, I don't know, I'm sure he must uh, smile or chuckle and just, oh, man, Dave, you just, you, you, you just don't got it together regarding this. You just have no clue because what I have here is way beyond what you can even ask for. I like what it says in Ephesians 3. It says that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we may ask or think by the power that is within us. Just say, thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that even you, that you do above what we may even ask or, or think. His ways. Who, who has become his counselor? Who are we to say, Lord, we're going to counsel you now because we know. I know. This is how it should be. We're talking about our future. We're talking about the riches that the Lord has for us. Praise God. Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? It's Lord, Lord, hey, I... I did this for you, so you owe me. It's like, yeah. Oftentimes we may say, Lord, I, I did this, this, and this, so I should get this, this, and this. I like what it says in Romans 5, verse 8, and from 6 to 10, it's, it's talking about the ungodly, it's talking about the sinner, it's talking about even those that are enemies of God. And he says, in verse 8, it says, God demonstrates his love to us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before we even knew God, there was already a thing of, Dave, you're going to exist. Each one of us, before time began, God says, you will exist. I am, I'm, there's going to be, a, there is going to be a coming to life. of Dave, of you. God allowed for you to exist and to come into existence, to know you from before time began and before we knew him. He knew us and he loved us and he gave himself for us. And I, I like how it ends this chapter. It says, for of him... And through him and to him are all things. That, that includes us. To whom be glory forever, that he would be exalted. Amen. Now I recognize this is a, an ending of 11 chapters. 11 chapters. The next chapter now is, starts off with a practical application of our faith in Jesus Christ where Paul says I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice unto him which is your reasonable service that you would not be conformed to this world but that you would be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you 
may know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. To have things come into existence for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. And, and as we continue on in chapters 12 right through to the end, there's an, a, a, an applying now of that foundation that's been laid of faith. And now there's got to be something. There should be things that are happening for him, to him, through him, by us to bring him glory. And one of the, the la, or actually the last three chapters, chapters 9, 10, and 11, he's, Paul is speaking about his fellow brethren, the Jews. So let's go back to chapters 10, and then I'm going to go through, I'm going to go through some parts more quickly, and then other parts uh, touch on a few things, but it's a, chapters 11 is an interesting chapter, but it begins really in chapters 9, goes on to chapter 10, and we have that powerful thing stated about the things we confess and the things that we believe, and then it talks about, the you know, if we call on the name of the Lord, we will be saved, and talks about beautiful feet, how beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news. And it talks about sharing the gospel with others. And it goes on to say, but they have not all, this is verse 16, Romans 10, 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. Not all have responded to the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? What about Israel? First Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long, I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. And so there's this, this thing is not everybody has, has received or, or accepted and believed the report, the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I, just, I want to read again. I was found by those who did not seek me. I was, I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. I want you to think back to how you got saved. How did you get saved? Were you actively seeking God at that moment? Or at that time? Was it something that, that you were pursuing? I've got to find God. Or did it just, just come out of where you were at? And maybe you, were, you realized, oh my goodness, I, I'm not in a good place. And there was somebody that came and he or she shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And there was a receiving. You weren't looking for it, and you took it in. Oftentimes, that's the case. Someone invites you to a service, or someone says, hey, can I talk to you? You're not even looking for God, and yet when you hear about him, and when you hear about Jesus Christ, when you hear about his death on a cross for you, you grab a hold of it, and you weren't even looking for it, and you find something that you weren't looking for. So I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. And yet to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people, opposed to God. And he's stretching out his hands. All right. So now we, we hit Romans 11, verse 1. And I don't know about you, it's sometimes uh, when you're frustrated about your situation, sometimes when it, uh, people are bothering you and, and uh, sometimes just even like, God, where are you? Can, you? can you not do something about this? In fact, Elijah prays a prayer and we sometimes are at that place. But let me just read verse 1 and carry on from there. It says, I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away his people whom he foreknew. He knew that they would exist. Or do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he pleads with God against Israel? Here's Elijah pleading with God against Israel. God, do something about this wicked nation. Saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. It's like, come on, God, you've got to do something. You've got to do something about this. But what does the divine response say to him? So even God would say to Elijah, I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. 7,000 men who have not bowed down to idol, to this idol, this wicked religion. And so there, it seemed like everybody was was turning from God, had nothing to do with God, and were chasing after other gods that were just made out of stone or fashioned from man's hands. And they're worshiping these, these dead items and structures. There's no life, nothing in them. And here, even to the point of killing the prophets of God that were speaking out, tearing down the altars of God. And even Elijah would say, is there anybody else that's serving God in all of Israel? God, do something. You've got to do something. And the Lord says, I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Can I just say this? When it comes to where you are at now or down the road, 
and the situations, the people, things, the circumstances in your life, uh, it's like, God, where are you in all of this? I want you to know that God is sovereign in your life as you would just hang on to him. And so he says, I've reserved. There's, no, you are not alone. There are others that serve me. And, and oftentimes in your situation, you just say, oh, God, I don't know how I can get through this. And the Lord is saying, hey, I want you to know, I know your situation, and I want to see you through it. I will see you through it. I want to encourage you tonight, because some of you are maybe thinking, well, God, where are you? And God is saying, I am with you. I know your situation. And I think sometimes it's the, the length of the trials and of the tribulations of the storms. And we start to, to feel the weight of it. We feel the, all the things coming against us. We're, we're like Elijah. I'm all alone in this. God, where are you? God is in control. God is in control. We're talking about getting the riches. You know what? There is nothing better. I was talking to somebody today, and we're talking around negative circumstances. This individual is going through negative circumstances and situations. And uh, lost, lost their job, got fired, and... Um, wasn't so much of, of his doing. But he says, you know what? There was a complete peace in the midst of it. I just have peace. And that's, I, I can just imagine Elijah, when, when he questioned God on it, God, I'm the only one left, and that response from God began to speak into him just to let him know, I am not alone. And not, not only is it that, that uh, there are 7,000 others, but God is responding to me. God responds to you, even as you would cry out to him, even when you're frustrated. And talk about the riches of, a, of our future when we know that it, it doesn't matter because God is knows where we're at. God is with us. God sees where we're at, and he will see us through the situation. I was determined as a, a young adult. I was in my early 20s. And I can remember the thought coming across that why should I reinvent the wheel of life? I'm 20 years of age, or early 20s, there are so many people that have lived before me. There are so many people that have gone before me. So why do I need to reinvent the wheel of life? I don't need to. I'm going to learn from the mistakes of others. I'm going to learn from the successes of others. I don't need to, to, to experience everything for myself for the first time just to, to go down a path that would lead to destruction or whatever. I just need to look around and open up my eyes. I want you to take from this chapter, because it is predominantly talking about Israel. So it's talking about 
those that had descended from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name was turned to Israel. And from him, basically, came the 12 different tribes and, and then and Levites. And what. So there was these, these tribes that came from just one person. And it was the fulfillment of what God said, hey, from, from, to Abraham, your, your seed will be like the stars. There, they, there'll, be, there'll be so many of them, you won't even be able to count. So it says, I have reserved for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to ba uh, Baal. Even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. So God had made promises to Abraham. There was no way that the seed would be eliminated. God would always keep a remnant to serve him. And it was an election before things began that this will be. Now, it doesn't say that the individual personalities or indiv people were, were elected necessarily. Okay, well, it's going to be this person, this person, this person. But there would be this remnant. And it, it would be those that would be responding to, to the grace of God. There would be a response to the grace of God that, that didn't say, no, I don't want what you have for me, but I'm going to grab, but rather I'm going to grab a hold of what you have for me. So this election of a remnant, and it was an election of grace, a responding to the grace of God. Isaiah 1.9 says, unless the Lord of hosts had left us a very small remnant, we would have become like Sodom. We would have all been made like Gomorrah, utterly destroyed. Unless the Lord had left to us a very small remnant. If you read through the Old Testament, there is, especially as the, the historical books, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and First and Second Chronicles, and 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 First and Second Chronicles are are, are from the, the priesthood perspective, whereas first or Samuel and Kings, the first and second and both are more from the the king or royalty aspect of it. But when you go through there, you have entire generations going or, or being spoken of, and sometimes only in a few verses. And predominantly you will find even as after by the third king so after Saul, you had David, and then Solomon. You had one nation of Israel. But by or after the third king, Solomon, you had a breaking of the nation of Israel into two groups, a, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom existing of ten tribes, and the southern kingdom, which included the city of Jerusalem, which was Judah, and Benjamin were the southern kingdom. If you look, you recognize that the northern kingdom was lasted not more than from a, a thousand. Thousand BC was when David, King David, existed, and and Solomon, just less than that, maybe nine nine sixty nine seventy BC. But 
by the, the, the early 700, 720 or 730, I think it was 733, the Assyrian Empire came in and basically took and destroyed or took away the, the northern kingdom, the ten, the ten tribes. And if you look at the number of wicked kings that came after Solomon in the northern kingdom. So there were two sets of kings, one in the northern kingdom, one in the southern kingdom. But the number of kings that were wicked, it, it, there's just a, a f one line saying, they did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, or they did that which was evil or wicked in the sight of the Lord. Just one line, whether right or good, or that which was wicked or evil in the sight of the Lord. And you will know from the northern kingdom that the number of kings that did which was wickedness and unrighteous in the sight of the Lord was way more, or there were more wicked kings uh, by far than the southern kingdom. That's why the southern kingdom lasted another 150 years or so after the northern kingdom, and then they were taken into captivity by the Babylonians. An election of, of grace. To learn from the mistakes of not just one person, but what a nation was doing. And so the grace of God was extended to the Jews despite them being contrary. He says, I've, I've extended my hands to you, uh, to a, a disobedient and contrary people. The grace of God is being extended to us through his son. The grace of God is being extended to us through his son. And I find it, I find it amazing how people, when they hear the gospel, how easy it is for them just to reject. Don't want to hear about it. Don't go there. Whatever. Or they may sit patiently and listen. In their hearts, though, they reject. I'm thinking, why? Why would that be? Why would you do that? Like, am I not explaining clearly enough? God wants to give you fullness of life. I'll tell you, I, I deal sometimes with people that are not, of, not believers. Their life really sucks. Like, it's like, oh, my goodness. I can't believe this. Like, hey. I was talking to someone else today. I said, talk to, your, talk to your children. Talk to your spouse. Just allow the Holy Spirit to work through you just to say, hey, I see you're struggling. You can do life with God or without Him. To have the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God in our lives. We have at our disposal the wisdom and the knowledge of God available to us. And we can take it also regarding the knowledge of God. The more we get to know about God, the more we recognize, we recognize oh my goodness, <laughs> 
wow, God, you are an amazing God. I, 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 yesterday I spent some time with uh, an individual, didn't know the extent of, of, of their situation. And like this guy had a, a stroke, he was overweight, he was uh, high blood pressure and, and diabetic and pastor. And it was in one, in a very short period of time, he had a stroke and he was laid up. The next thing, their house burnt down. And it was just one thing after another. And I, as I saw and I spoke with them, there was this thing of, of hanging on to the Lord and what the Lord did. So he's in the GTA. So the, the insurance company gave him $780,000 to repair the house. The house is repaired. Gave him another uh, $350,000 for contents. There's insurance for the contents. Then gave him another 100000 for something else and another 100000 for something else. And I'm, I'm not talking about, well, hey, we're... I'm talking here about the riches materially. This is not what I'm trying to say. But I am saying this, that the more that he went through some of these things and, he's, and he held on, that God was, was letting him know, I, I am with you. There's, there's a grace that will be extended to you. And this man, when I saw him yesterday, he says, I've lost probably about 100 pounds. And he says, the Lord is so good. The Lord is so faithful. And, and he started to weep. He says, I can't, I can't tell you of the goodness of the Lord. I just, it just causes me to weep how faithful he is. And we're talking about for us as Gentiles. We didn't, haven't even looked for it and it, we, we, we grabbed a hold when it came to us. The good news of Jesus Christ. So uh, verse 6 says, and if by grace, then it is no longer of works. There's nothing that we can do. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. If we have to do something, it is no longer grace. It says in Ephesians 2, verse 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It says, And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So God is saying, listen, when I saved you, it was by grace. It was nothing that you, you didn't merit it. You couldn't work for it, for salvation. And so the grace was extended to you, and you believed by faith. Hallelujah. So Paul asked, and what then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Who are the elect, this, this remnant and this election, and who are the elect at this point in time? It's basically those that respond to the grace 
of God by faith. And we will see that as we go on. And I want to say to you today, as a believer, the faith that as you responded to grace, the grace of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, as you responded to that message and to that grace, you grabbed a hold of it, is more precious than anything else on this planet. That we would recognize the riches of what we have in our salvation. And with that, I want to say this, in light of where we are at this time and with the, the shortness of time that we have before the Lord returns, for goodness sake, do not just keep it for yourself, but go out and share the riches of the gospel of Jesus Christ that saved you with someone else. Because it saved you. It gave you life. It gave you eternity. And so here you are. It's like, oh, wow. Thank you, Lord. I praise your name. What an amazing God you are. And it doesn't, when we give these, the, the riches of the gospel to others, to the Gentile, and it may be, my goodness, you're prompted to share with somebody. They're not even expecting that. And can you imagine as they grab a hold of those riches, say, I want that as well. As they see what God is doing in your life and the love of God in your life, and they grab a hold of that, it's not like, oh, well, I've got that much less riches. In fact, it's almost like, Lord, there's an increase that comes. The joy of being a part of what God wants us to do. For those of you that have led somebody else to the Lord in your life or recently, and there are changes that are taking place in that life, you just say, oh, my goodness, that is so amazing. It's a blessing to you, even as you've shared the gospel with somebody else. It's a blessing to you. It's like, wow. What, look what the Lord is doing. That we would not hold on to these things, but that we would share them. So Israel had a problem. They had a major problem. So Paul continues on in verse 7. What then? Israel has not obtained what it seeks. So they were looking for something. They didn't obtain it, but the elect have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. So those that, the elect are those that respond to the grace of God and the rest were blinded. You know, sometimes we, uh, we might feel that we're spinning our, our tires, we're stuck, we're in a rut, going in circles. And we're in this place of, like, what's going on in my life? God, where are you? Look at what the Lord, for those that didn't grab a hold of the grace of God. It says, just as it is written. They want nothing to do with God. It says, just as it is written, God has given them a spirit of stupor. A spirit of stupor. Okay. What is stupor? Stupor or stupor. It's a state of near unconsciousness and insensibility. How many of you want to be in a state of near unconsciousness in the way you deal with your life? You know, there are some people, they put themselves in a state of near unconsciousness by, I'm going to drink myself out of this situation. It doesn't, doesn't work. 
I'm going to take some medication, some form of medication to make me hopefully feel better to get through the situation. It doesn't work. And I, I, sometimes it boggles my mind for believers who don't understand what they have. They gave their life to the Lord at one point, and what they have in God, in Jesus Christ, and they're just like, they're, it's like, I, I don't, you know, I'm on my own here. God, I, I don't even go to you anymore for anything. And they're in this place of near unconsciousness and, and truly are doing things that are insensible. They don't, it doesn't make any sense. And so God has given them a spirit of stupor, stupor, eyes that should not see and ears that should not hear to this very day. In fact, for Israel, that is exactly where the, where the majority of the Jews are at today. And we're, we're talking, it's been for 2,000 years now. Eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear to this very day. day. And David says, let their table, the blessings that they, they had received become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a recompense to them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and bow down their back always. So the things that should have brought them closer to the Lord and a revelation of the Lord, it didn't. There was a stumbling block and there was a rejecting of so much of what God asked them to do and they just didn't do it. I want you to know how precious and valuable your faith is in Jesus Christ and you have salvation, not just when you first came to the Lord, but for today. Your faith in Jesus Christ saved you for some of you decades ago, for some of you maybe years ago, for some of you maybe just in the last year or few months. But what you have in Jesus Christ is the most precious and valuable thing that you could possibly have. Recognize it. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Like to never rise again? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. And I know the next few verses, it will seem like, well, it, the only reason that we got salvation was because they fell. Let me just say this. We got salvation. We heard the gospel because God desired that the gospel would go out, even to the Gentile. In fact, Israel should have been the one, the nation, to declare the goodness of God. And that as the other nations would see, look at the God that Israel serves, that they would say, we want, we need to have the same God as Israel. And Israel didn't do what God intended for them to do. Because they, sh they were supposed to be the example to all the surrounding nations that the God that they serve is the God to be serving, not some man-made idol. Hallelujah. They didn't do it. So I say then, have they stumbled that, that they should fall? Certainly not, but through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. That's us. We're not Jews. Now, if their fall is riches for the world and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? And we're going to see that God 
And there's some that teach this uh, replacement theology that the church has replaced Israel, the Jews. And that's not the case. Because Israel, in one day, those that, that remnant, that when the Lord comes back, those that are left when the Lord comes back, that haven't had opportunity or didn't get saved before that and are not saved at the moment of the coming of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ, in one day, in one hour, they will be saved. An entire remnant of people that are left. They figure that, according, well, according to Scripture, two-thirds of Israel will be wiped out. Just in the Battle of Armageddon. Two-thirds of the population wiped out. There's about eight million people. There will probably be a lot more because the Jews will come from all over. They will be flocking to Israel, uh, especially during the tribulation time. Many have flocked to Israel in the last 70 years. And that small remnant will be saved because God said that he's going to save a remnant. In fact, well, let me just read on. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles. Paul was an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry if by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh, those, those that are Jews, my brothers in the flesh, and save some of them. For if, they, if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance, to, to, uh, acceptance be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit speaking of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And once again, we're not referring to personal attributes, but we're, we're talking about a nation, Israel, which was called of God for a special task, which will ultimately be formed, performed in the new millennium, or in the millennium, Israel, man, will they be an well, they will exalt Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will be ruling from Jerusalem. Should he come today, it will begin seven years from today. And so he's going to rule, literally. You will actually be able to go and see Jesus as he rules for a thousand years. And Israel will be where he rules from. And the nation of Israel will be a nation that exalts the Lord Jesus Christ. Ezekiel 37 talks about the valley of bones. Do you know that, that even as Ezekiel saw this valley of bones, it says even as he, he saw them, there's this noise and this clattering as these bones start moving and coming together and sinews start to grow on, on them. And then there's flesh and muscles put on them. And, and so here you have this symbolic thing of something that was dead coming back to life. And speaking of the, the nation of Israel, in fact, that's happening. For almost 2,000 years, there was no nation of Israel. There was no Israel. They were scattered all over the world. And in 1948, they became a nation in one day. And so there is, there is life now coming where there was nothing. And now there is life coming. It's happening now. 
And if some of the branches were broken off, verse 17, and you, being a wild olive tree, the Gentile, were a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them became a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, this, this, this domestic tree, this garden tree God had made. And here we are, they were broken off, but we were grafted in. As, as believers, do not boast against the branches. But if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. It's not because of us that things are happening. It's because of the root. The root supports us. The church has not replaced Israel. But it goes on, Paul writes on about why the, the branches were broken off. And we're talking about the riches, getting riches, and not realizing you already have what you have within you as a believer is beyond anything you could possibly imagine. Beyond. You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. But listen now, because, you might say, why were they broken off? Paul, by the Spirit, is answering now. Because of unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. They were broken off because they, didn't, they, they stopped believing, but you stand by faith. Then it says, do not be haughty, but fear. So a few things here. To recognize, if you want to get broken off, stop your faith, just let your faith go. And this is what concerns me. In the last few months, I have seen, listen to me, I have seen people that were believers, and they, they, their faith shifted. Their faith shifted from Jesus Christ and Him crucified and it went to something else. Something that they needed to do. A, pro a program. And their faith shifted from what it should be in. There was no more faith in God. There was no more faith in Jesus Christ. There is no faith in his finished work, even though there might be a confession to a certain extent, but there is no faith there, really. It's a confession. Two things that need to happen for us to have life. We confess with our mouth, and we believe in our heart, and you will be saved. If you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, which means he must have died first, you will be saved. You will be in a place of right standing. To be broken off, and I, I, these, these two individuals were doing fine. And then there was a one slip, another slip, and it's like their faith was no longer in Jesus Christ. And what happened 
to Jesus Christ for them to be saved. They got saved at one point, but they don't believe that anymore for today. Yeah, I got saved back then, but what does that have to do with today? The message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. It became, the message of the cross became foolishness to them, and they began to perish. And I'm telling you, I, I don't want to get into details, but we are talking extreme. Pastor, I don't know if I can believe in Jesus Christ and him crucified. I need the program. I need the program. My faith is in the program. And these two individuals, all within a few months, I am telling you, the consequences were so fast, it was like just cracked right off. Now, what I'm saying to you, it says here, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Take this and grab a hold of it. You stand. I stand by faith. When the battle is done, I'm still standing. I might be a little bit beat up and bruised or whatever, but I am still standing by faith. In Jesus Christ and him crucified, what saved us at the very beginning, beginning and saves us today and tomorrow and the next day for every single thing that you might be going through, that is what saves you. You stand by faith. The riches that you have in your faith in Jesus Christ is beyond anything you can imagine, and the enemy wants you to think that it is nothing when it is everything. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. How simple that is. Do not be haughty. Haughty has to do with pride. Well, you know what? I can do it on my own. I'm strong enough. The one individual said, I'm strong enough. I've lasted for X number of months, a year, year and a half. I'm strong. One day, one day, and it wasn't even something they did. It was something that didn't happen. In one day, there was a falling. And my thing is to say to the to the, the, the believer that is maybe struggling with temptations and whatever, for goodness sake, do not fight. You can't fight. We can't fight temptation in our own strength. We can't. How can you fight what's catering your, to your flesh with your flesh? I'm going to have my flesh by willpower. I'm going to try to overcome temptation. No, you stand. You stand by faith. Do not be haughty to think that you can do it in your, in your own righteousness, your own strength, your own goodness. But fear. Have reverence. Re recognize. When you reverence something, you recognize the value of it. When you rev revere God, you, you recognize the value and the awesomeness of who God is. And there's this reverence, there's this fear, this awe of who God is. That we'd recognize who Jesus is and what he did for us in our lives. And our faith there is that foundation that allows us to, to stand on solid ground, not on, on sinking sand. 
For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but toward you, goodness, if you continue in his goodness. How can you continue in the goodness of God, in his righteousness, if it is not by faith in the Son of God, whom the Father gave because he loved us? It says, continue in his goodness, otherwise you will also be cut off. Continue. In Jesus Christ. Verse 23. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. I just want to say this. For anybody here that might have fallen or you just say, oh my goodness. I don't know if I can get through this. Or maybe you, you fell. Or maybe it's been a period of time that you've been away from the Lord. You can be grafted back in. While you are breathing, you can still be grafted back in. And it has to do with belief or unbelief. If they do not continue in unbelief, so in other words, the opposite or the, another way of saying this, if they continue in belief or start believing again, they can be grafted back in for God is able to graft them in again. Praise God for the mercy of God to us, even if we have slipped and fallen and we've been cut off. The Lord is saying, I want to graft you back in. Do, you, do I want broken branches on the ground that they're not bearing any fruit? I want that the branches are full, bearing fruit, that others can taste and see that the Lord is good because of our belief. For if you were cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, so we were cut out of a, a wild olive tree and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree. How much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Now speaking, speaking of Israel here now and the branches, the branches have been broken off. The Lord is saying, they're the natural branches to this cultivated tree. Obviously, I'm going to graft them in or I want to graft them back in. So if they discontinue or if they do not continue in unbelief and they begin to believe, they can be grafted back in. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion. That blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come from out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. And those people in the last days, in that battle of Armageddon, the ones that are there, those that believe that die in, in faith in Jesus Christ will still make it. And those that are at the end in Armageddon, in that hour, they will believe. Hallelujah. This deliverer, Jesus, when he came to Israel 2,000 years ago, began preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. This is how Israel will be saved. Listen to what it says in Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. And just to let you know, Zechariah lived about 520 B.C. 
So 520 years before Jesus came, was born and lived his life and died on the cross, 520 years before, it was prophesied by Zechariah through the Holy Spirit, and he said, and he wrote, and I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. They would cry out to God. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. And they will look on Jesus who they crucified 2,000 years earlier but the people at that time, in that moment, this hasn't happened yet. But when Jesus comes back, Revelation 19, at the Battle of Armageddon, to come against the Antichrist and the, the coalition of nations and armies and peoples that are, have come against Israel and have come against the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, they will see the one that they pierced riding on that white horse and the saints behind him, we behind him, him, hasn't happened yet. And they will mourn as one mourns for their only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn that is lo they, they've lost. I say, wow. Concerning the gospel, Romans eleven twenty eight, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the father's and the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God loves them, even though they are enemies to the gospel. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. God doesn't call back and change his mind. He has spoken to, the, to Israel, to the Jews. They will one day serve him. Now, there will be many that will die apart from God. Listen, the Jews have to be saved the same way as us when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. They're going to be saved the same way. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedi disobedience. The Gentiles were basically for 4,000 years, the Gentiles were apart from God. For 4,000 years. And then when Jesus came and he began to preach, and now, for the last 2,000 years, there have been more and more and more Gentiles coming to Jesus Christ. Even so, these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy through our believing in Jesus Christ. For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. Now it comes to the verse that we start out with. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Paul says, we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block. To the Greeks, or the Gentiles, or the Greeks mainly, the, the, the knowledgeable of the day, foolishness. To those that believe Christ, the wisdom of God, and the power of God. What you have as a believer, hang on to it and yet share it. Hang on to your, your faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified and share it with every single person that you can 
it's not, not like you're going to be losing anything in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to have the riches as well, the riches that we have for our future, for our hope now, and for all eternity. Can we stand together? Hallelujah. I want to uh, encourage you again on, on Sunday morning. I, I had asked, how many of you have gotten in touch with somebody in the last week? And I was, I was a little bit surprised that I didn't see more hands. Maybe since Sunday you said, you know what? I, I have gotten in touch with somebody. I have spent time with, with this individual or the Lord put on my heart to reach out to this person. I want you, number one, recognize what you already have. I know the title says Getting the Riches. I guess may, may, maybe that's a little bit of a hook to listen, to recognize that as a believer you already got what is beyond anything else. It is worth your life and eternity with God, what you have, and to share it with somebody else. Praise God. Hallelujah. Lord, I just, I thank you tonight for this passage. Lord, just to clarify your, your tremendous love for, for the, the Jews. Lord, despite the fact they've been disobedient and contrary, just opposing of you. But Lord, there is a remnant that will be saved by grace, your grace and mercy but also as they grab a hold of the one that they pierced and crucified as a nation 2,000 years prior. Lord, even now as anybody grabs a hold and believes in you, Jesus, who was pierced and died on the cross for us, Lord, we have life. We have a riches and we have your wisdom we have the knowledge of God with us and on our side. I just pray that we would recognize that. We would share it in the coming days, even perhaps today, or tomorrow, or the next day. Lord, in the coming weeks and months of this summertime, Lord, let us take the opportunities, whether we're at work, whether we're at home, whether we're in church, whether we're uh, on holidays or vacation, whether we're uh, wherever we may be, wherever whether it's an intentional thing or it just comes up randomly, that we just know, oh, God, you put this person in my path for a reason. And I'm going to use this opportunity to share of the riches that I have in Christ. The riches that I have. Lord, I just pray that there will be a taking in of a harvest powerfully. Lord, our neighbors, our friends, Lord, those that we interact with, maybe occasionally, Lord, that you will put it on our hearts. I need to reach out because you love the sinner. You love the ungodly. You love those that are contrary to you, Lord. You have mercy on them to see them. And your heart is definitely that they would stop being unbelieving but start to believe because you want to graft them back in. Lord, let it be. 
Lord, in Jesus' name, I thank you for my dear brothers and sisters. Bless them. Lord, those that don't know you, that they will confess their sin, that they would place their trust in you, having taken care of all their sins and dying in their place, a sacrifice, that they would believe and confess that, and that they would receive you. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Be a part of my life. I surrender and I submit to your lordship. Have your way in my life. Lord, I just pray that the unbeliever will just cry out to you. Lord, that they would be saved and receive the riches of your wisdom, your power, and your knowledge, your love. In Jesus' name we pray. We thank you. You're an amazing God. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. Just want you to know you can find full live stream services on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.